0: If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. Man, that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. Yeah. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ prayed pray? for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer of us Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, He's able to bring it to completion. All right, everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, hopefully again, if it's your first time. Thanks for tuning in for your first time. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Knoll. Uh, and your other host is here. His name is Tiberius Juan. You might notice he's a little sadder than usual. That's just because Dr. Pepper announced that they have a shortage of soda. Mm-hmm. Devastating for him. Mm-hmm. What, what's it's not a problem for me. I'm well-stocked. Oh, okay. What's funny is that, you know, usually when we introduce TJ, I uh, make up just something absurd. That thing happens to be true. It's not just an absurd, random thing I said. Uh, we're also here with uh, one of my old friend from college who is now a deacon and an associate pastor at Good Shepherd Anglican Church. I think that's in Wilmington, right?
1: Uh actually that's in Bermuda Run, North Carolina. So that's right outside oh, okay. of uh Winston-Salem.
0: Oh, okay. Um, which I didn't say his name. So it's uh, Deacon Kelly O'Sullivan or just Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good guy. Excited to talk to him. He's recently wrote an article for the Anglican Compass, and we're going to talk some about that, and spiritual warfare, and liturgy, and a bunch of really fun stuff. But uh, before we jump in, one thing that we've recently started doing for first-time guests to get to help our audience get to know them, we started our mini segment, the greeting card segment, which I just got a few cards here with different things like, what's your favorite sport to watch? You know, um, what's your least favorite chore was one we did once. Um, Stuff like that. I'm going to shuffle them up. And when you say stop, I'll read the one that's there. You'll answer that. If it's one of our two gold cards, we'll shuffle and go again. So far, we haven't got a gold card, so I wouldn't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm going to start shuffling now, and you just tell me when.
1: Okay. And stop.
0: Ah, we did get a gold card.
1: I knew it. Oh, man. I'm honored to be the I'm 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 yeah. happy to be the first. You are the first gold cutter. Uh you have to let us know. Okay. What
0: is your favorite between King Kong or hockey?
1: Oh man. King Kong for sure. Mm. Always mm-hmm. King Kong. Um which is really I guess you want me to explain that?
0: Sure.
2: Well, uh, it's not necessary, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so I went to UNC Wilmington for film school. And one of my favorite movies, apart from Terminator 2, was the original King Kong.
0: Ooh, so, it was ping pong or hockey, though.
1: Oh, dang, never mind. Uh, I'll go I'll with ping that. That is interesting. <laughs> King Kong's a great movie. <laughs> I'll go with ping pong. Ping pong. Okay. So Sorry. still ping right. for we thought you said.
0: But yeah, so you, you went originally for theater?
1: Uh, not theater, film. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's actually when I, it was while I was there, I became a Christian. Um, and. Uh, uh, when I graduated, I thought, well, maybe I'm not called to movies. Maybe I'm called to ministry, and that's kind of... Oh, that's awesome. I that's didn't good. know
0: that. Uh, did you... Sorry uh, to go on a rabbit trail, but our audience knows me. Oh, forgive us. Did you get saved while at Crossway Church?
1: Yes, I did, actually.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well,
1: for those who don't know,
0: um, Crossway was the church or Christian outreach that I was a member of while I was at UNCW, which is where I met Kelly. So that's really... Really cool that that's um, part of your testimony there. Yeah. Uh, may I ask what brought you to Crossway?
1: Um, actually, it was uh, my roommate, Eddie Gamble, um, and one of my, well, my other roommate, Dino Ablan. Um, I love Dino. Yeah. Um, so both of them were involved. Um, both were very persistent in a good way um, to drawing me both to the church. And then Eddie actually shared the gospel with me and shared his testimony uh, with me. And uh that had over a long period of time a pretty profound impact. Um and there is uh another friend, Brian, who uh um actually um uh, I, I uh, helped led me to receive. And so I think it's Brian Children. So um awesome. yeah, that and that was about I was almost exactly um this coming November, that would be 10 years ago. Wow, wow, awesome.
0: Happy second birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, so I went ahead and took the liberty of shuffling again while we were talking. So, uh, your next card, you know, okay. we have to do two when you get a gold card. Okay. It's just, a which chore do you mind doing the least? I mean, no one has a favorite chore, but, um, which one do you mind the least?
1: Well, um, you know, probably sleeping, uh, sweeping the floor. And hmm. part of that is I could just plug some earphones in. It's not a whole lot of effort. I would say mowing the lawn, but uh, it's a push mow, and uh, I don't have the strongest of arms. So I uh, like sweeping a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I feel like if I lived a little bit further north, I wouldn't mind mowing as much. It's just yeah. too hot here. Yeah, uh, I am really, really bad at sweeping. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Terrible at it. I'm not the best either. I'm okay at mopping, which is the same principle, so it makes no sense that I'm bad at sweeping. But...
1: Which I, anyway. I... I enjoy it. I'm not... Exactly, great myself. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, we've learned that no one is good at sweeping. All right. That's all just, right. Maybe it's just a fact. Let us know. Uh, please email us at the whole at gmail.com mm-hmm. and inform us if you're one of those people who are good at sweeping. And then you right. can sweep our hours. Right.
2: <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. while you're at it, consider supporting us in a bunch of other ways, uh, like following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, iHeartRadio, your podcasts. Of course, email us at thewholechurch@gmail.com at to ask us more specific needs you may be able to contribute to or something we can do for you. Of course, the best and easiest ways to help are by giving us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to us on, uh, supporting us on Patreon, which for as little as $1 a month, uh, you'll get access to more of the whole church which Mm -hmm. is awesome Uh, and you know I think both of our personal favorite segments is only accessible to Patreon supporters Uh, or you can share this episode on your own social media accounts which is by far the easiest and honestly probably the best way to support us
0: yeah share this episode now don't listen to the rest in case Kelly says something that offends us all just share it
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) which he won't but yeah
1: no problem
2: <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the next part of the podcast, which, if you've listened before, you know it used to be our icebreaker. Uh, now we just call it the silly question. Uh, I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. All mm-hmm. I know is that the question for today is that in a zombie apocalypse, which three people would you choose to be on your your squad, your survivors group? And I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to choose Bear Grylls. Uh, I didn't think past Bear Grylls.
0: <laughs> you choose three <laughs> so, Bear Grylls.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to choose Bear Grylls, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> okay. Seems does like a
0: funny group. Does it have to be famous people? No. Uh, let me think. Zombie Apocalypse. Man, I'm going to go Samuel L. Jackson for one. He's been in enough different movies. I feel like he's he has to have picked up something, right? Hopefully. Um, let me think in here. Hmm. Our friend Matt from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I'll leave the last name out because, you know, we don't want to, whatever. Uh, just because. I know he has guns, and he's thought through this scenario an absurd amount of times. Um, I think I think I would just honestly go to the nearest university and just pick a biochemist professor and just <laughs> whichever one's closest to me. That that's the one I'm going with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Good uh, choices. All right, Kelly. What's uh? Who's well, your three?
1: I would first off, I'd pick my wife because if I didn't, I'd be in the doghouse. Oh man, I should have thought that. Well, <laughs> um, I'd probably pick Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. I feel like that would be a good choice. That is. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't think much beyond that. Um, but it, I've got a I've got a buddy in the military who would be, probably be useful to have. Uh, oh. My buddy George. So. Um, sure. He you know how to use use weapons and probably create weapons to kill zombies, which would be helpful.
0: Solid. Nice. Solid choices. Yeah, I like his choices a lot better than my choices. Yeah. No. Just, just putting that out there. I, I love Parks and right? Ron Swanson was just a his amazing. His choices unique in ideas. his own way. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so we've, we already touched on the subject a little bit of mm-hmm. your journey. So whenever we went to Crossway together, like at mm-hmm. UNCW, I, which, whatever, uh, that's a non-denominational church, right? Yes. Yes. It and, is. uh, I'm, unfortunately I didn't really know that much about your walk with the faith at that point, but, um, I, I do wonder how did you go from crossway to the church at now, the Anglican church? Can you kind of tell us something about that journey?
1: Yeah. And I'll try to do it shortly. Um, sure. so I, um, grew up sort of in the, uh, Episcopal church. Um, I was an atheist, um, as when as I was being brought up I just was an atheist I didn't believe uh god existed I didn't believe in the supernatural which we're going to be talking about today um I just I was not a believer um uh, but my mom uh I was thankful for this she dragged me to church it was an episcopal church which is very similar to the uh the anglican church um some notable differences um but Uh, when I went to college, I got, as you meant, as we talked earlier, I got saved at, um, Crossway, which is a non-denominational, uh, you know, gospel centered church. And then when I came back home, I stumbled upon an Anglican church, um, which, um, uh, that's where I I started to attend that because it had the the first time I attended, I noted there was the same gospel centered preaching, um, at the same time as historic liturgy, it was like people were like, there's guitar music playing. <laughs> it was like a hybrid. There's guitar music playing, uh, but people wearing robes and processing in with candles and and stuff like that while, you know, um, I mean, while having um, good preaching at the same time. So for me, yeah. it was sort of a natural transition back to sort of the, the faith that um, that I was around was in the water when I was growing up.
0: All right.
2: Wow. Awesome. Cool. awesome. Uh, so what can you tell us about your current church?
1: So um, when you say church, do you mean like the denomination or the local church? I could I could probably tell you about both if you want.
2: What do you think, Josh?
0: Um, yeah, let's go for both. We've had an episode about the Anglican Church before, but it is interesting to hear okay. multiple perspectives talk about it.
1: Well, um, I'll, I would keep it very brief. Um, if anything, but so the church I'm at right now is a church plant. Uh, we meet in a renovated dairy barn. So this is church of the good shepherd, um, in Bermuda run right outside of Winston Salem. Uh, for those not familiar with North Carolina, um, it's, well, I can't help you cause I'm not really good at directions. <laughs> um, it's, in, it's kind of in the middle Western part of the state, if that helps. Um, so uh, about 4 hours away from wilmington uh and i've been there since i've been there since about 2013 the end of 2013 beginning of 2014 and um i worked there as an intern and slowly have just grown in my role there as i went through seminary and and stuff like that so yeah uh that's in short i've, I've been there for about 8 years uh, or no uh 6 years so wow. and it's a um yeah, it's, it's um well, it's an Anglican church. I mean, we we have liturgy. Um, you know, we wear a clerical collar and robe on Sundays, but there's gospel preaching, and we have uh, some contemporary music, and then a lot of contemporary renditions of ancient hymns. Um, just to kind of give someone a flavor of what what it's like.
0: That's really cool. I really like when uh-huh. you hear the um more modern versions of hymns. I really liked. Um, did you hear when Jimmy Needham did that whole album of? Old hymnals? I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. No, it was, it
1: was so I gotta check out. it out. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like it was hymnal sessions one, but he never did anymore. So I don't know why he called it. It's <laughs> always room to do another. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, recently, you wrote an article for the Anglican Compass titled "Bridging the Divide: Anglicanism and the Supernatural." uh We found the piece pretty interesting. Uh, for those listening. What can you tell us about the history of Anglicanism concerning the
1: supernatural? Um, Well, I'll try to keep it uh, brief. Um, The history, it's probably, it's changed over time because, um, so Anglicanism is also, um, was at one point in time synonymous with the Church of England. And the Church Mm -hmm. of England has gone through, the Great Awakening has gone through periods of deism, and and so it's it's changed over time. Um, but I mean, there is there is a consistent um, historic view of the spiritual realm that the modern Anglican Church would would adhere to, um, and I think that that would, if if I was to summarize it, or the the, the supernatural, um, it's a, a kind of a view the the spiritual realm that that you know we live in a world that's enchanted and that kind of right beneath our noses there's a a, um you know there's a celestial realm where there's god with his heavenly host the angelic beings that are worshiping him uh constantly um and um there's also some of those angelic beings have fallen uh, so we would call those demons uh historically and that's kind of that spiritual war is is ongoing and we're sort of caught up into it. Um, so that's kind of one aspect of it. I'd say another would probably be um, that, you know, we live in a world that's charged with the presence of God. Um, we know God through his creation, through his created order. Everyone has some amount of knowledge of God, just through natural, what would be called natural revelation. Um, but there's an, a sense in which God makes himself known through us, specifically through signs and symbols, and we can actually participate in Christ through rites known as sacraments. So I guess that's two different answers to, to the one question. I, I hope I'm not talking too much.
2: Uh, you will never um. be talking more than Joshua.
0: <laughs> so we're all good there. Okay, We're just here to listen to you talk. So I mean, you, you can talk as long as you want. Okay. Yeah. Just, a, you know, if you go over an hour, it might not all make it to the podcast, but we'll, we'll listen to it.
1: <laughs> well, just the highlights, hopefully.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's all highlights. As long as they're talking about the kingdom, right? That's right. Um, so, me and me and TJ, I don't, I don't know if you know this, me and TJ both grew up in the Church of God of Prophecy, which is a Pentecostal denomination, church, yeah. which is a, just as a side note, part of why I found Crossway so interesting is, you know, we had a me, we had some people I know with Baptist backgrounds, and then Dino you mentioned um, was actually from the Catholic Church. Yeah. And Crossway was one of those times where I really saw the unity of the church in one spot, which is really cool that you came out of that. Now you're part of the Anglican Church. I'm like, oh, wow. Crossway was just a really special thing, mm-hmm. which I really hope that we can talk to some of their leaders later on in the podcast. But
1: yeah, that would be neat.
0: It would be, it would be. We we reached out before, but. Anyway, so being part of Pentecostal churches, uh, I'm part of some different Facebook groups, and you know, I know a few different pastors and stuff. And every now and then, the idea of including more liturgy into the church gets brought up, and it's usually brought up with a lot of pushback from literally everybody. You know, I saw where I'm trying to think it was. I think it was one of those Facebook groups. I saw someone ask about adding liturgy to their church and was pretty much pummeled by a bunch of people saying, that's a bad idea. And once you add liturgy, the spirit no longer has room to take over the service. And I'm like, um, do you really saying the spirit can't do what it wants to do regardless of what you're doing? But, uh, how would you, could you comment on that pushback against liturgy and having a conflict with the movement of the spirit in the church?
1: Absolutely. Sorry, I actually, that was a
0: convoluted question.
1: No, no, no. That makes sense. Um, so one thing I'd mention first off is there's a book and I didn't, I haven't read this, but it's by, uh, Simon Chan. Who's a, a Pentelectual, a Pentecostal intellectual theologian. Um, but it's called liturgical theology. So there's some sense of which there are Pentecostals, um, that are open to and experimenting with putting liturgy kind of like using liturgical worship. So, um, I haven't read it, so I don't know if I can read, recommend it or what, but um that's out there. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, um, check that out. <laughs> <laughs> um I get where people are coming from and I, and I I resonate in many ways with that because I, I when I became a Christian, it was in a non liturgical uh generally would be considered a non liturgical kind of a church. Um it, it, that sort of uh liturgical worship, which is yeah. It's based on written words. It could seem inauthentic, stifles this uh, or sorry, uh, the, the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jesus himself talks about and warns against um, empty phrases that are heaped up by the Gentiles and praying in that kind of a way. like, yeah. so I get that. At the same time, Jesus um, gives a prayer called the Lord's Prayer, which is a written prayer that the disciples memorized. Um, and it makes its way into the scriptures. Um, yeah. There's a sense in which ancient ancient worship of of the people of God is liturgical in the sense that the the Book of Psalms, you know, the inspired Book of of, of Psalms, which are written they're written down prayers that are intended to be used in worship. Um, and you could say that they are in spirit inspired words because it's the words of Holy Scripture um and and so liturgy is is at least in churches is usually kind of it's usually scriptured that's rearranged for worship anyways scripture would generally be understood to be spirit inspired writings yeah although i i think liturgy is definitely (laughs) the spirits at work in liturgy um but that so that's my my thought on that um I mean, there's also a sense in which all worship is kind of liturgical. Um, for example, there are churches that every week they will have an altar call. Um, and, and the pastor will sometimes repeat the same words. Um, there, most churches have kind of a, a three songs of praise and then a sermon afterwards, <laughs> um, yeah. even if they're not liturgical. Uh, and uh, sometimes, and I think this is kind of a joke, but there's, the, there's a part of the uh, evangelical liturgy where a pastor will pray a really long prayer while he's waiting for musicians to get back on stage <laughs> and uh-huh. the
0: yeah.
1: um, so there's a sense in which i mean on on one hand, even if churches are not liturgical, they have a form and an order to them um, so yeah. yeah that's kind of my long answer there
0: i uh just to kind of tell on myself because I, I used to be a lot. I used to be one of those guys who pushed back against liturgy a lot. And, um, what, what's funny is when I started going to Crossway, I thought it was way too liturgical. Like it, it, it <laughs> messed with me just because they did the back the um, uh, they partook of. Um, why can't I think of it right now? The, yeah, the Lord's meal at the end of each thing.
1: Yeah, Lord's supper.
0: Yeah, yeah. They did that at the end of every service. You know, we had our little cracker and our, our grape juice and. I was like, wow, that's you're only supposed to do that on rare occasions when the spirit moves, right? Because <laughs> you know, that's that's typically how it works. in Pentecostal churches, if you know, the pastor feels like God told him, that's when we do it. But they did it every week. And at first I really pushed it back against that, but you eventually I kind of saw that God was able to use the liturgy, right? As a constant reminder. And then um even our church now, it was more recent thing, but they started uh doing readings at the beginning of service, where you know, the pastor would read part of the scripture and then the congregation finish the rest of it, which I also, yeah, at first I was like, oh. but then I heard a lady from our church who, you know, they let different people from our church come up and lead the readings. And, um, she just felt so special to be able to actually be a part of service. And I was like, wow, that's something we should all, all feel. Right. And I saw God using the liturgy in that way. And I was like, okay, hmm. God uses liturgy. You know, I, I might not get it, but he does it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and now there is a sense in which there are some um, ways in which some some churches and some people will kind of see liturgy as a Jesus inoculant. They'll ju- they'll get just enough Jesus. They don't have, or they'll kind of use it to to keep Jesus at at arm's length. You know, and the spirit could be stifled. But I've seen it work um, in other ways, in that there will be one part of the liturgy that's based on scripture that just brings. And sticks out. It's like God takes a highlighter and underline uh, or, or just highlights one, one phrase. Or
0: um, sorry, this will be my last follow up. I'll let oh, TJ do. shut me up. <laughs> but, uh, can you think of any specific instances where you've seen that, where you've seen God using the liturgy?
1: Um, well, I mean, he, he has them in, in my own life where there'll be, um, so like, for example, we read the Psalms and we read it liturgically. It's kind of a call, resp- call and response. So like I will read one verse and then the people will read another verse. And there've been a few times where, and I, and I, I think, I mean, it, it works in many ways, just like hearing scriptures read. And sometimes God's just, it's, it's just speaking directly to me. And I can't remember specifics about that, but there's oftentimes, um instances where one or of the psalms will just hit me in a way it's like whoa you know? uh, and it, it feels like god's talking directly to me and occasionally that'll happen with um there are a bunch of prayers before the lord before um supper and um included in those prayers is the gospel message um, that God sent his son Jesus, uh, you know, while we were, um, oh, I forgot how, how it, it goes, I can't even remember how it goes right <laughs> now. I remember, uh, normally, but it, it, um, something about the gospel will stick like you, um, sent your son Jesus for our, I don't, I don't remember how it goes, but it, something will jump out at me like that. And, yeah. And the gospel will go li- just a little bit deeper in my own heart. So Yeah.
0: What's, um, the, the, there's a bible verse that says god's word will not come back void right so
1: regardless yeah. of how you feel about liturgy God's yeah. word. yeah um most liturgy i mean some are scriptural prayers or based on scripture but a lot of it is scripture itself
2: yeah so all right uh, so you mentioned that charismatic churches and your church alike believe in the spiritual gifts uh, how would you describe the Anglican church's belief concerning speaking in tongues?
1: So, uh, it's kind of hard to to say. Um, so I, I wrote in my, in my article, I mentioned the, uh, there's an Anglican church document and, uh, an ancient one called the second book of homilies, uh, which affirmed the continuation of gifts, including the gift of speaking in tongues. um, so uh, it doesn't explain what, what's going on there, but it affirms that th- there's a continuation there. Um, and the Anglican Church is a church that came out of the Reformation. And not many other churches that are, you know, um, m- continental, magisterial, reformed churches retained those views. I think um, John Calvin saw them as ending after the apostles. Um, you have to don't don't quote me on that because I might be wrong. Um, so it's interesting that it's one of the few, do, uh, documents, one of the few churches during the reformation that would affirm the con- 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 uh, continuation of the gifts. Um, that being said, um, it's not mentioned in our 39 articles, which are kind of like our authoritative, um, uh, confession. And there are many different perspectives. So there are going to be some Anglicans that are basically cessationist. <clears throat> there are going to be some Anglicans that are, Um, uh, that will have um, charismatic gifts incorporated in the worship service on Sunday mornings front and center. Um, And I know that those exist. I haven't been to one myself, Um, but what you're probably more likely to to hear about and and see about in Anglican churches is um, you'll be less likely to hear tongues in a Sunday morning worship service and more likely to hear, because I know uh, uh, of priests and others who, in their own private prayer, like, uh, devotions, they, they speak in tongues as a personal devotion. Um, you know, I know a priest who will go on prayer walks, um, or when he's hiking, he'll, will, he'll, will, um, be speaking in tongues. as is part of his communing with the Lord. Um, and then in small groups there, there might be more openness to, to that happening. Um, but normally like, so my church, uh, now I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, and i think that there may be if there, there are a few in our congregation but normally we would not keep on a sunday morning and i think the reason being um first corinthians 14 um, stating that you know when you know an unbeliever comes into the the assembly um, if speaking tongues takes place and there's no interpretation the unbeliever might think that they're the person's out of their mind so i think that there's probably generally an avoidance in assembly if that if that makes sense
0: uh-huh. right. yeah we've um we've talked some about that ourselves it's um nat- naturally being a pentecostal organization it, it gets brought up a lot for us and um you know i i like to talk first corinthians 14 a lot of pastors and stuff don't, don't like to mm-hmm. but it's um it, it's just a, it's an interesting topic
1: but, yeah 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 but i mean I, I definitely think there there must be a place for. The Holy Spirit's gifts to work. And mm-hmm. some will make their appearance on Sunday mornings, I think, um, per, um, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. And I don't want to prevent the Holy Spirit from being able to to speak and work and do miraculous things like speaking in tongues. If it happens, it, it happens, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. kinda, I don't think there's a of perspective on it.
0: Yeah. One thing really unique in my life, and I'll shut up, but uh, my papa, my mom's father, he the one one of the only guys I've ever seen at a Pentecostal church, had the gift of interpreting. Oh, really? So I, yeah, I saw him do that a few times. You know, someone would speak in tongues, and my papa would get up, and I'd be like, wow. It, wow. It's so – it's – it's sadly, it's really rare to see that someone yeah. you know, – it was just a really special thing.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be challenging to have unity with those who don't see eye to eye on that issue?
1: Um, Within within Anglicanism um, specifically, I think someone, so I'm thinking of my own parish. Um, I think if speaking in tongues just sort of started happening, or if one person started speaking in tongues, another person might just be um, freaked out by it maybe. Um, And that, that could hinder unity in one way, but I think, kind of have a very it's a very wide umbrella of views. Uh, there are people who are uh Anglo Catholics, there are people who lean in more of a reform direction, and there are people who uh, are more Wesleyan and even more uh have kind of a charismatic leading to them. And so I think I think there should be um I'm hoping it wouldn't be um a challenge to unity if, if that makes sense. And I did did that answer that question? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um so you mentioned how there are certain in in your article you mentioned how there are certain sacraments that are evidence of the overlap between the supernatural and the physical right Um, yeah what all sacraments do does the anglican church follow
1: yeah so i think one of the first things before listing listing them i would say that you know i probably needed to define sacrament um yeah so um a sacrament is kind of a, a rite that's been ordained by God. That's an outward, invisible sign that, that communicates an inward and spiritual grace. So most people would say, most Anglicans would say it's a means of grace. Um, and we have two that are considered sacraments of the gospel. Um, so that, that Jesus himself have, has ordained, and that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, In some ways, those are either, and it's controversial to say it this way, um, but those are seen as necessary for salvation or, and I guess this would be the caveat, uh, or indicative of salvation. Like if someone has had a conversion experience, they will be baptized. Um, The other five are the, the Anglican, um articles of religion refer to them as commonly called sacraments and they've been um there's a little bit more hesitancy to call them that because um of some of the abuses that were happening in the medieval church Mm -hmm. people call them sacraments and there's uh what what are they uh give me one second i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no worries confession uh confirmation matrimony ordination and extreme unction which is like anointing of the sick um so those so that's seven total yeah no.
0: Wait, do y'all do confession
1: yeah we do um and it's it's pretty it, it's a little bit more rare um but yeah. more often we'll like announce during the season of of lent uh, which is kind of a penitential season we do uh, hey, if anyone wants to talk to a pastor and just confess their sins and just kind of hear a declaration of forgiveness from somebody, they're they're free to. Yeah. Uh, it's not seen as necessary, and, and it's not like everyone has to before every Sunday service, which I think would be more of a uh, a Catholic or a Roman Catholic or an Orthodox view. Yeah. Uh, but you know, everyone's allowed to. Some people probably should. That's kind of the view. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's not like, um, we, we talked to Sister Rose. I, I don't know if you know her. She's also from UNCW.
1: Oh, okay. But, no, uh, I,
0: yeah. She's like the outside leader of the, um, Catholic campus ministries at, uh, UNCW. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, she, she talked to us on the podcast before about, you know, their confession. The priest will kind of say, do this, then you're good. And we talk about the distinct differences. Basically, the Catholics believed that um, you do that. And when you do those right actions, you're working out your salvation, then you're good. Whereas, you know, most Protestants would tell you that uh, you're forgiven. And because you're forgiven, you will go do those actions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so with you, with you guys, you're not saying the confession and then he's telling you, you do this to be saved. It's just kind of a, almost a formality. Is that,
1: is, I, I, am I understanding that right? It's, it's more of a pastoral help, um, a pastoral counsel. Kind of thing. So okay. someone, if they, if, you know, what is, what does it say in Romans? Uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, um, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Um, and that's, I mean, like that's, you know, we, we believe in salvation by grace alone through faith alone, but there's a sense in which people's conscience um, really troubled. And at that point it's like, well, how about, you talk to the priest and, and, uh, and there is a sense in which the priest does in a representative fashion represent God. And he can declare and say, if someone has given confession, you are forgiven uh, in a way that any ordinary person would not. So there is kind of a view of the priesthood in that way. Um, And I think it's helpful to think of, I mean, there are differences between Roman Catholics and Protestants, but there is. So like John the Baptist in um in the scriptures he says you know bear fruit in keeping with repentance and he gives some very specific instructions yeah. So how bearing fruit can be uh, instructed um you know and, and kind of creating some sort of restitution for the wrongs that you've done i mean it's kind of helpful to have that kind of guidance so oh
0: yeah wouldn't and be it's always
1: of, yeah no it wouldn't be sort of a um do uh, and then you'll be saved. Don't do this. You know, it, it's not, it's not kind of a, um, it's not a, the emphasis is not on the works, but it's on the relationship with God.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's always kind of, it struck us as silly that that's such a big argument of, do you do the works and then you're saved or are you saved and then you do the work? Well, I do care if you do both of those things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um. But anyway, so could, cause I know um some denominations have really strict rules about this. Could a member of the Anglican church go to any other denomination and and still take part of their sacraments or can they only go to Anglican churches for their sacraments?
1: So it's tricky. Um, I don't think we give those kinds of instructions to our people. I think most people will like just take communion from other churches. um, And I think that's likely okay. Um, But it's a little tricky. I think if there was kind of an officially laid out rule book i'd say this is We would probably we, we accept baptism from all other christian denominations that believe in you know like a trinitarian view of, of god yeah uh, so i i i would say that um non-trinitarian views like unitarianism or jehovah's witnesses yeah. uh, and possibly mormonism that that's there's kind of a line there um and um, But we would accept all other Christian baptism. Uh, and I think the same with, for the most part, um, a lot of the, the matrimony. Uh, I don't want to get into a lot of the, the social issues. Yeah. That, but um, we would probably accept those. Um, where it gets a little bit trickier is with communion, ordination, and confirmation. So we believe, but like, our, our, in practice, um, we have bishops. Um that, ordained in apostolic succession that means that their their ordination goes all the way back to the 12 apostles
0: yeah
1: we would recognize other churches that uh, follow that same form and then we might consider churches that are done in a slightly different form as valid. the only reason we would i would say that is because people get reordained when they come into our um church and we would probably re reconfirm people also yeah uh, so
0: would um this just because this is the most specific example I can think of, if yeah. for some reason you were a moment in and decided to the re- to just, you know, visit Crossway again for old time's sake, would you be okay taking communion with them at the end of
1: service or? <laughs> um I think I think I'm allowed to. I think I would definitely be allowed to. My own personal conscience, I don't know. Um I think I probably would. Um, I haven't really thought about that. There are some churches that we've been told because we're not in direct communion with them, like we yeah. uh, would not um, that we would w- we were asked very politely by our bishop to <laughs> not. And I'm not going to go into which denominations, but um, let's just say one that we went through a messy split with. And I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: So uh-huh. sure. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, so could a member? of another denomination participate in your sacraments like uh I, if i came to you know your church to visit you uh would I, would I be allowed to take communion with you guys or is that
1: yeah any any christian absolutely um if you are a bible believing christian who, who trusts in the gospel who who follows jesus and you've been baptized um we, we would ask you to be baptized first um hmm. you can you can um You can come take communion. And we have members of our church that are not Anglican, um, that have been baptized, um, and that do attend and take communion regularly with us. Um, We would consider the cutoff point for Anglicanism, if you're an Anglican or not, is if you've been confirmed into the Anglican communion.
2: So, So, uh, for y'all's baptism, is it full-body baptism?
1: Uh, At times.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it Uh just depends.
1: Yeah, it just depends. All I think, right. I think it's flexibility. Um, I mean, that's sort of how it, it played out in, I mean, originally it was immersion baptism, but then as churches started to spread up more farther up North into like Nordic countries, then it was like, mm-hmm. it's really cold out. How about we just, eat <laughs> <a little bit?" laughs> um, so I think, I mean, as long as it's water, um, and not something else like soda, um, we would, we would, mm. um, I think immersion usually in our in our instructions in our our prayer book we uh the instructions say immersion is preferred. Um yeah. and so the church that planted us and this is Christ Church in Winston Salem they will do full immersion baptism for infants. Um, wow. which I don't know if you're familiar with that. usually eastern orthodox churches will do that uh, but that's not as popular in western churches.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard of that before so that's really interesting. Um and just, just so anybody out there is listening knows, um, even if you're not Anglican and your church is okay baptizing in soda, we do still ask you avoid using Dr Pepper <laughs> because of that shortage we mentioned earlier. Yeah.
2: Well, the, the shortage is just for the cans. To be
0: fair. Oh, okay, so as long as they're as long as you as use two-liter bottles, yeah, they're fine. Mm-hmm. As long as they're just not opening a bunch of cans and dumping it in there.
1: Yeah, well, um, thanks okay. to God, there's still some left.
0: yeah
1: yeah praise god (laughs) all right Uh,
2: so i believe in the article uh, you also bring up spiritual warfare Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, does the anglican church have a particular methodology for how to deal with spiritual warfare
1: um and so yes there are some specifics um but there's a lot of overlap with other denominations too i'd say this the first thing would be the devotional life of prayer fasting and scripture reading i mean that's what Jesus lays out that's what Christians have done and that's one of the best ways to to fight the battle of spiritual warfare you know um but a more specific method that Anglicans would use and I mentioned this in the article and it might freak some people out which is why it's cool to talk about it um is exorcism um and uh most people what comes to mind when they hear exorcism is something like The movie *The Exorcist* or *The Exorcism of Emily*—exorcism of Emily uh, Rose—with all the crazy Hollywood stuff. And apparently, occasionally, that that kind of stuff actually happens, Um, and it's that brutal. But um, I defined in the article—I find it—I defined uh, exorcism in the article as God reclaiming from the enemy broken people. Yeah, uh, God reclaiming broken people from the enemy, and that's sort of my own definition. Um, I'm sure some people would would dispute it and say it should be casting out evil spirits or something along those lines. But I think that that covers a lot of what exorcism exorcism entails. Um, In our Anglican baptismal service, um, there are renunciations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then right afterwards, there is uh, the priest anoints the, the adult or baby, whoever is coming for baptism with anoints them with oil and then says almighty God deliver you from the powers of darkness. I think I don't have that in front of me, but it's, it's an exorcism. Um, it's very short. It's just one, you know, prayer. Um, but that's, what's going on. And it's called, um, so one other form of exorcism is a house blessing, um, which, um is probably popularized in haunted house movies yeah
0: Uh, i've seen that on a movie before yeah (laughs) yeah.
1: um but and but they actually happen um we had a house blessing at our new house about uh, six months ago um in which our priest anointed the front door with oil very similar prayer uh, had holy water and would sprinkle it throughout the inside of the house and we'd pray prayers throughout the house and we believe that those prayers are efficacious for you know um uh, reclaiming a house for for God, and and for yeah. us living here safely. Um, and sometimes people use incense in house blessings. We didn't because that would kill my wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then finally, there is the the kind of the actual proper rite of exorcism, which um, is liturgical. Um, I think there are some non liturgical like deliverance prayer. It's just praying against demons in, in people's lives, but um yeah and it's it's what you think it is except in the anglican church there are um uh anglican prayers but they're in english so which hence the name anglican english uh, you'd probably want them in in our language to understand them i guess
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's
1: just convenient so in short that's sort of what the the method would be exorcism it's not Mm -hmm. the normal devotional life uh so
2: would the other like would the way other denominations handle that kind of situation like a traditional catholic exorcism where they speak latin uh, yeah. would that be considered illegitimate to the anglican church
1: no 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 i i think um I mean, on one level, only specially trained individuals should be doing this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where the spiritual gifts come in, because I think some people have gifts of discernment of spirits or or whatnot. And so only certain people should be doing it. I just want to kind of put there, there's a warning yep. for that. <laughs> I have not done it myself apart from some <laughs> of some small prayers of deliverance. I've not like exercised. And, and so uh, not everyone's called to do that. Um, but if demons are cast out in Jesus' name in whatever denomination, I would say Amen. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Catholic, whether it's Pentecostal, whether it's Presbyterian—I mean, you know, Amen to that. I mean, that—that's spiritual warfare, and if it—if it works, it, then I'm fine with it, you know. Right. Amen.
2: So there have been instances in the past, uh, probably in the future, but hopefully not, of people falsifying spiritual warfare Uh, is there any kind of litmus test uh, for when real spiritual warfare is going on is there any way to know
1: so with just normal spiritual warfare um which i think we all experience spiritual warfare on some level in our day-to-day life um Mm -hmm. necessarily but i think that there's some um indicators so um the pastoral staff at my church have been reading through first thessalonians And there are two things that, um, Paul tells us about, um, spiritual warfare there. And and one is that he's wanted over and over again, to go to, uh, the Thessalonian church, but he says that Satan hinders him and he doesn't explain it. Um, but somehow, uh, um, and it could have just been normal means like, you know, his, uh, uh, horse, uh, or his you know, cart broke down or, or, you oh, know, something so. blocking him from coming. Um, and so my, my pastor, Tom and I, we jokingly talk about low level spiritual warfare happening on, uh, all the time where I'll be printing out a sermon before Sunday service. And then the printer dies, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't, prove, I can't prove that. Um, there's another sense in which Paul is worried about the Thessalonian church being tempted. And so there, I've. that's when I started getting in, interested in figuring out how to fight in spiritual warfare um, a little bit more when there were people in our church that were gravitating away from God and from our local church. And you can kind of see how the enemy, um, and, and, you know, whatever demonic forces are drawing them away and isolating them. And I mean, several of them are not part of our church anymore, you know. Um so I think those are subtle ways regarding like full-blown supernatural activity and possession or something like that. right? Um, so one, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I, I don't speak as an expert to this. I, this is stuff that I've looked at through the, there's a minister's manual for spiritual warfare that's in the uh, Anglican church and it's helpful. Um, there are like, There are unexplained and un um, like that you can't logically um, that defy logical explanation and certain houses that could be some an indication of demonic presence within a house you know Uh, within with something like possession I would say things like this is going to sound crazy (laughs) uh, go for it like levitating objects and psychokinesis (laughs) right that's uh, uh. And I have not seen that myself, but I think it's definitely possible. Speaking in a foreign tongue, uh, if we believe in speaking in in tongues, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if if the enemy could counterfeit it. Um, And this is one, like, if there's a litmus test, um, it would be violent reaction to... Um, Yeah. uh, So, for example, if someone's just... Even a glass of holy water, water that's been blessed, without them telling it, and they have this averse reaction to it, then that would probably be an indication.
2: Yeah, uh, that would be pretty solid it would to be me. Sneaky. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> I like it. You carry yeah. around a, carry around a little water pistol with holy water. <laughs> just go. give everyone a
0: spray. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, which we've we've heard some pretty crazy stories. Even at the camp we both went to, are people who were supposedly possessed. You know, lifting things that they just should not be able to live in it's a lot of crazy stuff. And I, I firmly believe in the existence of spiritual warfare. Um, you talk about, you know, the tiny stuff every day, right? My, um, I remember growing up on Sundays, a lot of times, you know, me and my brother would get on a fight on the way to church. We drove like an hour to church or my mom would be upset or something. And my dad's like catchphrase every Sunday was, who do you think wants you to be upset right now? Huh. And I was like, oh man, don't, don't tell me that dad. I want to be <laughs> mad at my brother. Don't <laughs> no, don't do this. A good line. Yeah. um now not not to pick on anybody, you know, you know I've had um a few of my brothers and sisters from the Baptist Church, and I'm okay calling them brothers and sisters still who've heard some of these stories of you know what happened at camp that I've talked about or whatever, and they just kind of like, oh, that's that's silly, that's whatever they, they don't really believe in that type of spiritual warfare and um, I gotta ask, can we still be unified with other you know Christians who don't really believe in spiritual warfare like that?
1: Um, I, I think it depends. Um so, so this is this is what I would say. Um I mean, on one level we could disagree about methodology. Some people might not think that you know doing rites of exorcism or deliverance prayers is the way to go. They might say, Well, it's teaching better theology. And if that loosens someone from the grips of the enemy, then I I'm all for that. yeah, so be it. Um, yeah, so be it. um and there are some who maybe they believe in the existence of angels and demons and just have not seen it in their life. I think that that's, I mean, I think over time, they'll probably start to recognize if they, if they're, you know, walking with the Lord, they'll be to recognize, you know, some, you know, uh, when certain things like the low level spiritual warfare I was talking about, you yeah. uh, might be able to recognize certain things like that happening. And, um, I think I would draw the line here, um, but like if we, I think we can believe. So repeat the question one more time. <laughs> yeah, that, just um, if we believe,
0: you know, if we, can, we be unified with people with other Christians who don't believe in spiritual warfare.
1: So I think, I think if if they mean like don't believe in spiritual warfare as in do not believe in the existence of uh, the angelic and the demonic um, or maybe even God's Holy spirit. Then I think that that's a big, I mean, that, that's a, that's a big issue.
0: Uh, It's like first tier. We can't consider them Christian anymore because I can be Christian if you don't believe in.
1: Yeah. And maybe it's someone in their discipleship process. But I mean, the thing is, is we read about Jesus casting out demons and we read about Jesus healing people of things like epilepsy, and they're treated and they're talked talk about differently. And I know there's some, some um, people who would say that, well, this is just the language that they that they had at the time. And I, I don't think that that's true. I mean, I think it says. I mean, so Jesus was in the wilderness for for 40 days and 40 nights, and at, at towards the end of it, he was tempted by Satan and Satan is depicted in, in the scriptures as a, yeah. as a personal being. It doesn't talk about him having a pitchfork or anything like that, but I mean, he's, yeah. he's depicted as, as existing. Um, and then Jesus is ministered to by angels and they're depicted as existing. And so I think, I think they'll, I would draw the line <laughs> close to there. And I'm hesitant about saying that, but I mean, I would, if, if someone doesn't believe in the existence of you know, these things that that's, that's troubling. I, I, I'd leave it at that.
0: Yeah. How can you be in God's spirit if you don't believe in God's spirit? Yeah,
1: Yeah, that would be a big, um, a big issue. So maybe
0: somewhere between first and second tier, depending on what they mean by that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think think a lot of it would be, you know, if, if someone does not, is like, well, I've never seen that happen. I believe in angels and demons. And, um, but I've never seen anything crazy like that happen. I think like, okay, well you don't, yeah. I mean, you haven't seen anything, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, then. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, And uh, before we move on, just real quick,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just to uh, talk about my favorite historical Anglican, C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. He actually mentioned that a that lot where he was like, yeah, people like to say they believed in miracles because they didn't understand. It. But mm-hmm. you understand that the whole reason they called it a miracle is because they understood it was impossible, right? <laughs> like, just a brilliant point. I was like, yeah, you know he's got a point. That wasn't because they were dumb and didn't realize it was impossible. It's because they did realize it was impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's a um, reason it makes it into the scriptures too. I mean, yeah. like there are the highlights of the crazy stuff that happened is why it's written down. So, yeah. for sure, for sure. So one thing
0: we do for everybody, and I, I made it a little bit more specific for this podcast. Um, okay, we want to ask you if you can give us one thing, just one thing that people can actually, you know, something tangible that they can go do that would help members either on, on either side of the high liturgical churches or more charismatic churches such as ours, what's one thing that we can do to bridge the gap, individual person could actually do?
1: Um, one very easy thing to do is go visit another church that's different from your own. Um, and that's very easy to do since now every church is online. Nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: Just go, go watch a high liturgical church if you're yeah. from a Pentecostal church, and uh, if you're from a high liturgical church, go to Harvest Watch my pastor. All
1: <laughs> right, I might do that. And and uh, if if you're not from the Anglican background, feel free to just check out one of our worship services. We're doing more. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: where could they find you guys at? Do you do you know your website by heart by chance?
1: Uh, well, the best place to watch a worship service would probably be our Facebook page which as we are talking, I am looking it up and minus a few seconds. Uh, <laughs> you could you could just look at my Facebook and see that I work at good shepherd and just click it. Um, but it's facebook.com uh, slash good shepherd East Davy slash. And that's it. It doesn't have a dot org or anything like that. Cool. Uh, so uh, we're church of the good shepherd East Davy. Um that's our, yeah, that's where our Facebook page is. So, But that's that's what I would say is just check out, keep an open mind, check out a a service that's not like your own. Um, And I mean, I would recommend to any Anglican or or Lutheran or Catholic listeners to just check out uh, a Pentecostal or a charismatic worship service and uh, come to it with an open mind, recognizing that, uh, you know, this is another way to worship the Lord and it's different from, from my own and it might make me a little uncomfortable. That's good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: same thing to all the charismatic
1: listeners out there.
0: Just just do it. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> so
2: if we started doing that, if you know, people from charismatic churches started watching, you know, high liturgical churches and vice versa, what changes do you think we would see in our society? Specifically church society?
1: Well, I mean the one thing that comes to mind is in first I think it might be in First Corinthians twelve, um, is one body with many different members, many different functions. I I, I think that certain churches have different charisms. Um and you know if the body of Christ were working uh, if we are, are living that out a little bit better, then we could uh w- So the thing is, is that the different members all need each other of the body. Um, We are all dependent on each other, and each, every person brings gifts, and I think that's true for different uh, flavors uh, of church, um, or denomination of church. And so my hope would be there would be kind of like a mutual uh, respect or recognition of Christians, Bible-believing Christians, that that just worship differently, um, and that that would... Enable us to grow up into him who is the head, into Jesus, just a little bit more. So, Amen. Yeah. Oh, amen.
2: All right. So uh, as far as questions about Anglicanism go, uh, you nailed them. That was all of them. Right. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> Do I get a prize? A plus. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, uh, look for it in the mail. Uh, it <laughs> should be the here, there, uh, probably September 32nd, 33rd.
0: 33rd.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So uh, if you've made it this far as a listener, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far and your name is Kelly O'Sullivan, thanks for being here. Uh, (laughs) Now we do our outro, which we always start with our God moment segment. Uh, If you're new here, we really just share something God has done in our lives recently. Basically, anything goes. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Pretty much anything. And uh, as is
0: customary, we're going to let Joshua Knoll go first. You you can go first if you want to. No. Uh, I'm going to start by letting everybody know I'm passing up the opportunity to share a train moment, God moment, because uh, I just think there's something more important to share, which makes me sad because I like talking about trains. I might write it on the Patreon. I might share it next week. We'll find out. Um, but I just want to share with everybody, we went to Arizona for a couple weeks last month and, you know, I, I was going to put this on the Patreon, but I realized it, it's something I just felt like I needed to say on the show for everybody. Um, TJ actually watched our animals in our house and which is really special. If, if you don't know anything, TJ's allergic to cats and he also hates calves, and we happen to have a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he watched that cat and our Chihuahua. The Chihuahua is amazing. It's the only Chihuahua that doesn't bark. Such a good girl. But uh, when we came home, I noticed he had also been feeding the outside cat, which we did not ask him to do. It was just out of the goodness of his heart and the fact that he realized that it's something that you know my wife did want done. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that that really touched me that you are so willing to just. Do the right thing, you know, not because mm-hmm. you were asked, but just because this was the good thing to do. Feeding
2: stray cats.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the, for us. Yeah. specifically. I think that counts as a heart of servitude or something.
2: Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, I will go. Uh, I am going to say my God moment of the week. Uh, there is a hockey player named Oscar Lindblom. Uh, he, this season, was diagnosed with, uh, I can't remember what cancer it is, uh, but it was bad. Uh, he had it treated and is already, he is currently in the play, in the NHL playoff bubble at the time of recording this, and will be ready to play in four days.
0: So, he'll have already played by
2: the time this releases. Mm-hmm. Unless we knock them
0: out of the playoffs, which is possible. By we you mean Carolina Hurricanes. hmm Is it appropriate to say go canes? Do you all shorten it that way or is it Yes. Okay, yeah. Go Canes.
2: But you know, miraculous, you know, through the power of God, this man has beaten cancer and returned to playing a sport at a professional level mm. in a year. Wow. wow. So
0: I awesome. just thought that was pretty awesome. That is fantastic. Um, Associate Pastor Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I, did you have a uh, God moment you'd like to share with everybody?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and and some might see this as just kind of an ordinary thing of life, but uh, I got to go on vacation last week. And in this fancy season, or this, not fancy, but this intense <laughs> season of Corona tide, uh, I needed a vacation because I've just been kind of going off of adrenaline for a few months. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it was great to just unplug um i left my computer at home i brought my ipad and did some online worship on sunday so but I, I really got to just not think about work um and just enjoy time with my family um we stay at this place um my grandparents live on this island in the middle of lake michigan called beaver island um it's got a crazy history you'll have to look it up after this but um it's a beautiful place and we, I was just it's just uh, that's about all I can say. It's just beautiful, <laughs> wonderful. So yeah, uh,
0: that's why I love hiking. Sometimes just being out in nature, you just see what God has done in creation. You're like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just that's the only word for it. Really, it's just wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and three almost three fourths of the island is like nature reserve. So it's it's just beautiful. There are deer everywhere and wildlife, and we love it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, well, we have a. One more thing we're going to do with you at the end of the podcast for our patron listeners. Uh, Before we do, I want to go ahead and ask everybody, you know, if they wanted to chip in and help the podcast, we're going to go over how you guys can do that. Um, Of course, one of those ways is by supporting us on Patreon um, to listen to the too long didn't listen segment that we're going to do with Kelly later. You have to be a $3 donor or a $1 donor who asks nicely, but really that's really, we (laughs) make it available for anybody who wants it available. We're not, we don't think so high of ourselves that we wouldn't do that. But um right now, I just go over some of our goals. Uh, our first goal was actually twenty one dollars on Patreon, which we recently succeeded by like a dollar or two. I forget how much, but uh, my mom finally joined on Patreon, and uh-huh. we reached that goal, which means we can afford to put this out on all those places, Spotify, everything that it's on. That's how much it cost us. It was twenty one. We reached that goal. Our next goal is forty two dollars, and that's to afford better software so you guys can listen to this without your ears bleeding. Um goal after that I think was ninety-five dollars which would be better hardware with the software makes it even better sound quality. And then uh is it 215 is our last goal, TJ? Yeah. That's yeah that's so the that, big one. That's the furthest out that we can see. And that's so that we could hire somebody to help edit the audio. So if you guys want to help on Patreon, you do one, three, or ten dollars or more. It's up to you guys. And uh, that's just patreon.com forward slash whole church podcast uh of course as TJ mentioned earlier the best ways to help us the best and easiest ways is to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast um i know apple podcast is the easiest place to do it at you just type in apple whole church podcast go hit five stars you're done um or of course one of the best things you can do is just share it on your own social media click the share button this link if you really enjoyed the episode and you appreciate it, Associate Pastor Kelly, please do that for us. We'd really appreciate it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And, of course, some future guests we're going to have on here. uh, Our friend Zebulon Mims, which Josh and Kelly know. uh, Currently a music educator. Uh, He was a pastor's son and a member of Presbyterian Church. He's also heavily involved in his local theater community. Uh, Dr. Keith Sherlin. From the South Carolina Upstate, he's a judge who is strong in his faith. Uh, Chris Galloway, who we've had on before, and of course, at the end of the season, uh, we will have Francis Chan, who just doesn't know about it. Yes. And
0: we just have to tell him.
2: Yeah, and he yeah. has to agree. Right, anyway,
0: so stay tuned if you want to hear the too long didn't listen segment where best uh, where Kelly's going to. Summarize everything we just talked about since I can do the last.
2: Mm-hmm. Alright, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, have a blessed one.